and this is Debaki Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. And I'm pumped because I have repeat guests with me. I have Jenny back from the Pulcha playlist. Jenny, how have you been? How has been your year? Because it's been about a year since we've last talked on the Goblin episode. Yeah, that's wild. Oh my gosh, time flies, definitely. I've been good. Um, we're still reviewing K-dramas out here on the Pocha playlist. Um, but yeah, we're currently watching a couple of non-rom-commies, so I'm waiting for the rom-coms to hit for the rest of this year. Um, but how have you been doing? I've been doing well, super busy. I had kind of a hectic morning, but I'm glad that I was able to finish the drama that we're going to talk about today, which mm-hmm. is You're Beautiful from 2009, the reason why we're doing You're Beautiful and specifically that I requested that you come <laughs> on this this episode with me is because on the Goblin Review, you said that your first K-drama was you're beautiful and we had a moment and I was like wow so I put that in the back of my mind and I was like I have to have Jenny back if we ever do you're beautiful (laughs) so it's happening we're gonna talk about it this is a show for sure Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) without further ado I think we're just gonna jump into some housekeeping and then we're gonna get going on this if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And come check us out on social media to stay up to date on everything that we're doing, our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Pod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron because it is a great way for you to not only get involved and show your support, but get a bunch of extra content. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And I do want to shout out our patrons, Curtis Bale, Cindy City, Alana, Grace, Lorna, Lee, and Sammy. You guys are wonderful. Love having you guys in the community. And let's go. We're going to talk about your beautiful. And I went sideways on this one. I have the Wikipedia synopsis instead <laughs> of the Asian wiki or my drama list synopsis because those were complete trash i don't even know how they let that on the internet i was like what is how is this even english so here's the wikipedia synopsis of this show Kominyo has lived at an orphanage with her twin brother kominam since childhood after their father died years later minam becomes a music idol and minyo lives in a junior nun dorm to fulfill her Sorry, I'm already laughing. <laughs> to fulfill her dream of becoming a nun. One day, Minam successfully auditions for and wins the AN Entertainment Vocal Auditions to join the musical band Anjo. Or Angel. However, he must leave for the US in order to correct his botched plastic surgery. Minam's manager approaches Minyo and requests for her to pose as Minam for a month until he recovers. Minyo is against it at first, but eventually agrees as a path to fame would give the twins an opportunity to find their mother. Thus, Minya poses as her brother and joins the band Angel, where she meets its members, the arrogant Huang Taekyung, the gentle Kang Sinu, and the bubbly Jeremy. So, yeah, this drama is basically, she cross-dresses as her brother, and she's originally a nun, and now she's thrown into the world of Hallyu and K-pop. Quite the show, <laughs> like right off the bat. This plot is oh. buckwild. Um, 
This originally aired from October to November 2009. And I just want to pause here and say, like, where were you in 2009? What was happening in your life? (laughs) Because it's it's a while back. Okay, 2009, Jenny. And to give context for why this is my first K-drama, too, was I was very much into the K-pop world, you know? Like, I was an FT Island fan. <gasps> and I was like, Ehungi, you know, freaking yes! posters of this man on my wall. And so I think I was in, like, maybe middle school, maybe early high school. I don't even remember. But I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I am in love with Ihungi and he's going to be in something called a K-drama? Like, what is this? And so literally it was like one of the reasons why I got into like the K-drama world in general was because I was just so into K-pop. I was just like, you know, just doing my little <laughs> middle school thing, listen to my K-pop, and then just got thrown into this world of romance. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this ride. And I've been on this ride for the rest of my life. So <laughs> fantastic. So, yeah. Yes. For me, 2009 was the year I graduated from high school. Oh my gosh. And just to set the scene for people that are like, maybe on the younger side or don't realize what was happening in 2009. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2009. What a trip. (laughs) Yes. Parks and Rec, the show and the TV show Glee made their TV debuts in 2009. Yes. The first year. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Michael Jackson died in 2009. Wow. Yes. Let me see. Taylor Swift was still winning Country Music Awards. Wow. Slumdog Millionaire swept the Oscars that year. <laughs> Heath Iconic. Ledger wins. I know. And speaking of Oscars, Heath Ledger wins Best Supporting Actor posthumously for his role as Joker in The Dark Knight. So this is wow. the time period that we're talking about. We still have Harry Potter movies coming out. We still have Twilight Saga movies coming out in theaters. Avatar, which just got a sequel not too long ago, The Way of Water. The first Avatar movie was released in 09. I'm telling you, it is the beginning of things because even wow. Disney acquired Marvel in 2009. This is when <laughs> You're Beautiful comes out, right? <laughs> this crazy year with all of this stuff happening and all of these pop culture moments that people seem to forget happened in 09, so long ago. When when you said pandemic in 2009, People thought you meant the H1N1 swine flu. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yes, that was the pandemic in 2009. So honestly, it was kind of nice to revisit, not just for the nostalgia of the show, but just think back to where the heck we were as a society in 2009. (laughs) Yeah, bring us back. Honestly, I miss that era of my life. I was, I was so like, young. Right? Full yeah. of hope. <laughs> oh, what a trip. I know, like, even in the show, there's, like, scenes where they were, like, clubbing, and the songs they were playing, I was, like, jamming out. I was like, this was so lit back in the day. Like, right? Oh, I loved it. So yeah. great. What a great time. It was a time. So <laughs> uh, this show is 16 episodes long. And it had um, a director, Hong Sung Chang, and the assistant director was Park Yong Soon. And he's directed things like 49 Days and Miss Granny, which are two more well-known. To me, they're a little more well-known than some of the other work that the assistant director has done. I think more than anything, this show 
was written by the Hong sisters, which is Hong Jong-un and Hong Miran, two sisters who are prolific screenwriters. And we kind of delve deep on their <laughs> filmography and their screenplays on the Alchemy of Souls episodes, which I ended up splitting into two parts. But yeah, that was their most recent thing was Alchemy of Souls. How do you feel about Hong sisters dramas and their writing in general? I I don't know. I'm a sucker for the <laughs> Hong sisters. Like I I feel like on Pocha Playlist sometimes we're very critical of things or like, mm, well, plot hole here, mm, like this, that, that. But like honestly, if I really just like go back to my roots, like the Hong sisters know how to hit us with the emotions, with the mm-hmm. you know, the crazy out there storylines. And I feel like they do get critiques a lot because like sometimes people say they u- reuse plot lines, reuse mm-hmm. tropes, but I'm like this is like K-drama, like this is what K-dramas are about, you know? Like mm. Alchemy of Souls and then going down, like Hotel de Luna, also iconic. Korean Odyssey, iconic. Like so many of these, even from like way back in the day, like Sassy Girl in 2005. Mm-hmm. I never even watched that K-drama and I've heard of it, you know? Like these are just so <laughs> iconic. So I I feel that the Hong sisters know what they're doing. And I don't know, I love them at the end of the day. Okay, so I'm so glad you say that because we have differing opinions on the Hong sisters. I generally Mm. sort of dislike the way that they write things. I think they're good at balancing really melodramatic moments with comedic moments. Mm -hmm. I think that's what kind of brings people back is that you're not just wallowing the whole episode. They have these lighter moments punctuated throughout and they are very good at... Physical comedy, writing in some physical comedy for the Mm -hmm. actors. And obviously that's no, you can look at Alchemy of Souls. You can look at Hotel de Luna, Korean Odyssey. It goes way back. That's a little bit of a signature for them. And they love fantasy elements. And they are sort of foundational. Like I can't take this away from them. They're foundational for K-drama and a lot of the tropes that we see they were pioneering or they were redefining and especially in this show I felt like revisiting it they tried to subvert a lot of the tropes like you'd be like oh they're about to kiss and it's like oh no he moves her face out of the way or something like it's very Mm -hmm. they're subverting a lot of things because the audience already has some expectations maybe some that the Hong sisters created and some that they're just you know like still within the wheelhouse of K-drama, but I thought it was fun to see. But also this, I don't feel necessarily like (laughs) I'm in love with any any Hong sisters K-drama, if you feel me. Like, I appreciate what they've done, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not waving the Hong sisters flag over here like like a lot of people are. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone can have their own opinion, their own feelings toward things. If you love Alchemy of Souls, I'm so happy for you. Like, as a matter of fact, I'm very happy for you. Great. Mm. Keep it. It's yours. For me, not so much. And that's kind of how I wanted to wrap up the Hong sisters talk because I feel like it's a little touchy after. I don't know if you were privy to like all of, all of the Alchemy of Souls hate that was around or like the toxicity of some Wait, of that really? fandom. Oh, oh my God. I yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. So if you didn't like the show, then I'm, you were definitely privy to some of this nonsense online. But, <laughs> you know, if everyone has their, their likes and dislikes. And if you like Hong Sisters dramas, they're not going anywhere. Like, 
keep watching. So I kind of think that this 2009 drama might <laughs> might make some people a little weary of the Hong sisters just because of its age. And we yes. can talk about that. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. this, <laughs> yes. Yes. So this show stars Park Shin-hye as Komi-nyo slash Komi-nam. She's playing both roles, the twins. And how do you feel about Park Shin-hye? Because Park Shin-hye, yeah. oh man, she's so she's so iconic in her in itself. You know, like I feel like she was obviously my first K drama, and then she goes on, and I feel like she goes from the very strong like K drama female lead with uh-huh. all the rom coms, and now I feel like she's delved into this new world. Like watching her in Call the Call, uh-huh. I was like blown away by her like change of I guess like charisma almost like it's just mm. she's playing such different roles um you know i think that her crying ability is freaking top tier if there's anyone i can count on <laughs> in the k-drama industry to be able to shed tears it is yeah. her like she her ability to do that is like amazing um mm-hmm. i would say if people haven't seen her in other k-dramas she is very different now than obviously in this K-drama. Like, just watching her act in this one, it's like with the pouty face and kind of oh. like the humph, humph, you know, like the that like <laughs> vibe. It's <laughs> just like, it's very different. Um, but overall, I mean, I think I appreciate her because she was my first K-drama gal. I feel like I, I tried following her work um, afterwards just because, you know, you have that special connection with mm-hmm. your first K-drama. Um, but I would say like, I definitely think I fell off her train, uh, you know, probably around like a couple years after this one um yeah you know no, no issue to her but it's just like felt like some of the things got a little repetitive so i i ventured into other um k-drama actresses but so I have a special place in my heart for her that's so nice to hear i don't think i ever put her necessarily on a pedestal i will say that i watched this drama you're beautiful i want to say in 24 14. So it wasn't mm. in 2009. Got you. And I think that I was starting to watch a bunch of Park Shin-hye dramas. And this one, I don't, I mean, I'll say, I'll say my, my first impressions and how I felt in 2014 watching this show. But Park Shin-hye, we mentioned her and her career on the airs episode. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting because if you juxtapose or she feels like, uh, same thing as Lee Min Ho, where yeah. she's not gone out of fashion. And the way that she acts and the types of roles that she took are out of fashion, right? Like, people wouldn't gravitate towards these kind of characters today. Mm-hmm. And yes, she's gained a lot of acclaim. But then when you look at some of the stuff that made her famous, you're like, this is not that great, you know? <laughs> and I feel like this is one of those roles where you're like... I don't know. I can't tell if it's the Hong sisters influence or if it's her, Mm -hmm. the way she's playing the character that makes me a little bit annoyed. (laughs) And her Mm -hmm. in the airs is the same thing. Like she, that character had no personality and it might, it probably had nothing to do at all with Park Shin-hye and her performance. It was just what was on this, on the paper. But yeah, in this case, she, is irking me in different ways and again it's probably just what's on the on the paper what's on the screenplay that she's a little bit childish in this show she's a little bit 
bumbling in this show. She's very innocent and dense and to a point where you're like, okay, this is like too much for one person to be this completely dense and like romantically handicapped at this point. So this I is yes, <laughs> this is passionate in this drama, and that's a little bit of the things that really annoyed me. But like you said, the call hashtag alive, my annoying brother. I said this on the airs episode. I think I like her movie work better than her K drama work. I think that stands up way better over time than some of yeah. these, especially some of these older K dramas that made her famous. I'm like, Oof, I can never. <laughs> can't rewatch that so yeah it's for i definitely think the female lead aesthetic was so cringe back like back in the day like now looking back right as like we're you know older we're adults now we've been through whatever our lives and we're just like (laughs) oh my gosh like that's what like they were trying to portray as like this is what is attractive to men just being so confused and bumbling and clumsy and like I don't know like I feel like back in the day I also watched a lot of like anime like that kind of stuff mm. too and then I feel like it was a similar messaging back in like the early 2000s like ah. just like clumsy kind of adults like really naive mm. and like I don't know man like I feel like the stereotypes <laughs> it was just they were trying so hard to make us all believe it and I think I bought mm. it I don't know I'll blame K-dramas for my lack of dating life when I was in middle school because I was like mm. oh yeah I want to be like really dulcy and clumsy and that's what people think are cute and it's like no that's not true like you should not be spilling things over yourself like that is not like a cute Mm -hmm. look you Mm -hmm. know so I I you have yeah you have an absolute point there and I guess we can get a little more into that in a second after we cover Jang Mm -hmm. Kun-suk who plays Hong Tae-kyung he is our male lead um what how do you feel about this guy I haven't seen this guy in a hot minute yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds kind of sad, but like I don't think I've seen any other K drama that he's in other than this one. I um, I just like when I first was introduced his character, I just thought he was so mean and like I feel like he plays it to a T, you know, mm. just like with the smirk and like that kind of like those facial expressions. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm happy to hear that he's coming back. I just I never really got into his like his character and his uh the actor himself but i'm happy to hear that he's he's still doing it yeah so he's got a comeback drama which is airing this year maybe even now it's called the bait part one and two and it's this comeback drama he hasn't done in anything in like five years so this is a big deal and i think for me i watched him in this and i watched him in like a couple like a couple other things. I think Marry Me Mary in 2010 mm. and Love Rain. I have you seen Love Rain? I haven't, no. Okay, so here's the plot of Love Rain really fast. Okay. So we're talking in the 70s, a couple, which he plays the, the male lead in the 70s and um, what's her name? The one that can't act from uh, <laughs> Girls' Generation. Oh. Yuna. Um- Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So it's him and Yuna in the 1970s. They fall in love through circumstances. It's like the one that got away. Now in the present day, their children fall in love with each other. They're playing the children now. And it's this whole thing of like, will they, won't they get together and act on their feelings because their parents have reconnected in the present day. And it's like taboo because they could be step siblings at oh this point. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
Yes. Wow. So that is the plot of Love Rain. And I was like, this is very melodramatic. I remember vividly watching this and thinking, this is super melodramatic. And I don't really get what the issue is. They're not related like <laughs> yeah. by any blood at all. And it was oh frustrating gosh. and really weird. And so that was the end of me watching Jung Kun Sok on in anything. Oh, man. So, yeah. <laughs> so when I was looking up dramas that he'd been in, I'd be like, oh, okay, Bellamy, Royal Gambler, some stuff up until 20, 2018. And now his comeback drama. And I thought, let me just look at the comeback drama. If you scroll down to the next page in the doc. Oh, that's my gosh. Front of you. Hello. <laughs> I literally, I thought the same. I was like, hold on, hold on. Maybe the fact that I didn't watch pretty much any of his work had to do with, I just didn't find him that attractive, which is really, really shallow of a thing to say. But I just have to say, like, some people have types and some actors just uh, work for some people and some actors just don't and he was one of those people that never had an appeal for me and then mm-hmm. i saw this these screen stills of his wow. latest drama that's coming out this year and i was like hold on maybe he just needs to age a bit and <laughs> yeah. has some facial hair and mm-hmm. i was like i was like i'm a changed woman do i need to watch this gay <laughs> drama called the bait so oh my gosh yes okay. i am intrigued um <laughs> these photos are definitely selling me so maybe you and i can talk about the okay. bait <laughs> I'm down, I'm down. Because oh when I, I literally was like, hold on, hold yeah. on a minute. Because yeah. he just looks like an, a man, you know? Like maybe mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. just he was too clean shaven and he just looked a little glossy and they gave him these crazy outfits. I mean, oh talk gosh. about the crazy outfits in just your beautiful, this show. Yeah. I mean, how can, I mean, he's like a freaking... Uh, citizen of the capital here in hunger games <laughs> versus like a real honest to god person so mm-hmm. you know seeing him in this getup, i think he's playing a detective in this sh- new show that's coming out this year in 2023 and i was like hey i have I'd like to have a word because I'm sorry. I apologize for the way yeah. that I have treated you all these years. Anyway, so that's the ma- that's our male lead in the show. <laughs> and then we'll round it out with two people who I'm sure you're familiar with. We have Ihunki, aka Jeremy in the show, and he's from FT Island. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, and we have Jung Yong Hwa as Shinu from CN Blue, which seeing him on screen again, I was like Oof, whiplash like what year is it <laughs> i know um, it's been a minute how do you feel about these guys and what are some of some other or some of the other k-dramas that you've seen them in besides yeah. you're beautiful yeah you know it's kind of funny so like to you know give the context again i feel like ft island was like doing their thing and then cm blue was kind of like the new boy <laughs> band of the era so it was kind of like a I don't know, like it was like a good mix of both of them coming together in a K-drama. So it was like for FT Island fans, aka me at the time, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, new boy band. And then you get introduced to uh, Jung yoon and you're like, okay, I'm on board. Give me right. your music. Let's let's go, you know. So both of them absolutely love them. Um, I, I, you know. I think both of them are my favorites in their respective bands as well. Like, I think they're mm. both great and they're both super talented. And I think the fact that they were band members in this show, it was just like everything you wanted. Like, it was like a right. fanfic, you know, that it just like got yes. written out by itself. It was so great. Um, but I will say I actually didn't follow Ihungi as much uh, for the rest of mm. his um, like 
K-drama stuff. So, like, yeah. I don't think I've seen too much of his roles. I think I've seen Korean Odyssey, but that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Yunghwa, like, I started watching his K-dramas a lot more after this. So, mm-hmm. Heartstrings, um, which came out with Park shin yeah. kind of was, like, the second lead love line that should have happened. So, right? I, I definitely watched that right after. Um, and then, like, yeah, I think recently he did Sell Your Haunted House that, like, kind of, like, went in a little bit. But um, there was also this, like, cooking movie that he was in. It's, like, a Chinese cooking movie. This sounds but, so familiar. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, if you go on YouTube and it's always like a popular clip because he plays like this really amazing chef and he does all these crazy chef things and like I don't know, it's actually really really fun i if i find the name i'll i'll tell you and we can post okay. it later but also yeah. a, a hilarious movie with him in it um but yeah i feel like both of them this was like the biggest k-drama i've seen with both of them and then from there it was kind of like you know s- small things um here and there yeah so i really liked both of them in 2014 more than i did mm-hmm. coming back to it especially <laughs> yeah. uh jung jung mm-hmm. yonghwa i thought he was a little bit not a little bit he was stiff like as a board <laughs> yeah in yeah. this in this show but him and heartstrings is a little i mean he's still pretty stoic but a little looser and mm-hmm. i think i stopped watching him in stuff after marry him if you dare i don't know if you've seen that show i have it Okay, it's one of the worst K dramas I've ever seen in my life. <gasps> really? In my life, it was terrible. It oh was my terrible. Gosh. Don't watch that show. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you well, actually watch it and let me know if you agree that it's terrible. It was um, just horrendous, horrendously written, and it starred um, the female lead from Princess Hours. I forget her name. Um, so familiar oh, yeah but she but she was a big name and then i was like oh my god it's her and this guy and i watched it bad for <laughs> eonki i watched him in bride of the century which was one of those where he was playing like a table and then mm-hmm. he was gonna marry this girl but then something happened and they had to get a doppelganger to marry him instead and the doppelganger was of course super sweet and um, he fell in love with her instead of, like, the real girl. So that's why it's oh called, like, Bride of Sundry. Anyway, so love that show. I thought it was good. And then Modern Farmer, I think he was also playing, like, a K-pop idol. And then he goes to the countryside for some reason. I didn't finish that when I dropped it. It was, like, really mm-hmm. kind of boring. And I wasn't in the mood <laughs> for it. But that's pretty much it for for these two. And I feel bad that, again, I haven't really watched some of the other stuff. I've heard great things about Sell Your Haunted House. And uh, I've not finished A Korean Odyssey, which is another Hong Sisters drama. Um, I think I dropped that one in, like, episode five or six. I was like, mm, no. Yeah. I think I couldn't get behind Isungi. He was, like, really mean. <laughs> I was like, that I seems to be a common it. thing in the Hong yeah. Sisters. Like, really, you have a really, really mean, really mean male <laughs> yeah. lead, and she just falls for him anyway. And I was over it, so I thought he was just cruel. So I didn't finish <laughs> that one. Anyway, all this to say, we're at the end of uh, this this intro bit. Please tell me what did you th- in returning to this 2009 show, your first K drama ever. What did you think? What did you think of You're Beautiful? Yeah, um, man, it's I totally agree that the timing is so important to understand, because if I were to like rate this in 
assuming this has come out in 2023, it would be a very different score than what I ever rated it back in 2009. You know, there was just so many things that were like more acceptable, like so many more tropes. And like, I guess the, the general vibe of K-dramas was just so mm. different back then. Mm-hmm. But I do think just because of how ridiculous the show is and like even back then it wasn't a very serious k-drama and i feel like now like looking back like you don't have to try to think about it in a serious way i still think it was very enjoyable like i overall enjoyed watching it there's moments where it like got me laughing like out loud Mm. um given the fact that there's still so many things i was like are we really doing this? Like, but like at the same time, it was still really fun. So I'm really happy that you um, brought up this review. And I think it was a great time to like revisit such an old K-drama and, and talk about it with you. Oh, thank you for, for being game to, to return to it. I know that if someone asked me to watch my first K-drama again, I'd probably be like, I don't know. Are you sure that you want to watch that K-drama? So, but this one happens to be quite iconic. It did, um, it didn't do well on at first, like on broadcast. It had mediocre ratings, but then it gained mm-hmm. a cult following when people started watching the drama online. And I was like, oh, I'm one of these people that got yeah. the export of this drama. And, you know, had it not been put online and people started raving about it, we probably would just never return to it and wouldn't think anything of it. So it's pretty interesting to think of it that way. Um, it contributed to like the Hollywood wave, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, for for me, I watched it in 2014 and I remember being in my first apartment and watching this at night and just, I remember being confused. You see how my brows are furrowed right now? Like I was yes. watching it like that the whole time because I was like, <laughs> do I love it or do I hate it? I can't tell. It's very old and even in 2014, I thought it looked pretty pretty old and dated, of course. The production mm-hmm. value isn't high, like most K-dramas have a high production value today. It's a totally different time period. And again, I think I was a little more forgiving in 2014, where I was like, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's a product of its time. And these tropes are very are familiar for me, so it's fine. I can dig my, my myself into it a bit. Mm-hmm. But I do remember laughing at the first episode with Park Shin-hye as a nun and I was like what is going on <laughs> what is going on it's so wild so I think I ended up liking it and I think I appreciated it more than anything when I finished it in 2014 on rewatch I was very how do I put it it was difficult for me mm. to watch it and finish it and for some reason I was it was putting me to sleep Sometimes sometimes these older K-dramas, when I return to them, I'm like, I'm following, I'm following, hee hee, ha ha. (laughs) And then I fall asleep. And I'm like, how did I get here? I was fully awake a second ago. And there's something about it. Maybe it's just comforting that Mm -hmm. I know what's going to happen in a general sense. So I don't need to be, you know, reading everything so intently. But yeah, maybe that's a positive that it's sort of a shut your brain off and watch kind of show, mm-hmm. which a lot of older K-dramas are. They're very, very light on plot. We said this about the heirs thing too, the heirs yeah. episode where we were like, what exactly is the plot? Like, I don't think there is one because it's just kids th- that hate each other and they're rich and they throw them together in school and yeah. like very minute things are happening to them and in this case it feels very similar in that it's small not 
giant big set pieces and all of this mayhem happening a lot of moving pieces it's not like the glory and it's mm-hmm. not like you know little women and all, all these trendy k-dramas that are coming out in recent years where you're like this is a plot yeah this is not a plot <laughs> you know so yeah. i think it was a. Uh, again i was struck with this balance of like it's making me laugh but at what cost you know mm-hmm. yeah, and for sure. really annoyed with the male lead and the female lead pakshine just not aged well at all um what were some of the things i'm curious to know like that struck you as being woefully outdated more than other things like let's just set aside the fact that it's not filmed particularly well their Mm -hmm. their uh wardrobe is pretty heinous and the hair is a whole other discussion (laughs) what were some of the other things that you felt were really outdated Yeah, I would say nowadays, like, there's a lot more character that people put into their K-drama people. Like, it's like, you know, the story, the multi-dimensional character, I feel like is held more, I don't know, people just put a lot more emphasis in that these days. And I feel like the characters in this show are very, very one-dimensional. Like, you know, even like the second lead love lines, like nowadays, you know, there's such strong, compelling reasons for the second leads to have you know, such a strong attraction towards a female lead. And this one, it was like very minimal. It was like, <laughs> they like you, period. And so I feel like there's just a lot less fleshing out um, that happened in this K-drama compared to things now. And I definitely think like, just the the way that the male lead treats the female lead, I also feel like that whole dynamic is very outdated as well. Like, it's funny because like Brandon and I kind of watched the first episodes and Brandon was like, Looking back, this is so bad because I feel like it taught a whole era of Korean men that like you can just be really mean to the girl you like and they'll yeah. still like you. And it doesn't end, matter. You know? <laughs> and it doesn't matter. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Like I don't really feel like that still exists in K drama land. Like, you know, a little bit, right? Just because it's still kind of fun, the enemies to lovers type of yeah. vibe. Mm-hmm. But it's not just so blatantly mean and like it's just it's like a different level and they definitely give more backstory for all of that versus in this one. I feel like it was just they struck a chord for like oh this is how it's gonna be and then that was it (laughs) and then they was just like groveling in angst to get away from that for the rest of the show absolutely you have such a you've touched on some really great things that I'm sure we can go into a little more detail in the spoiler section but absolutely the lack of character development is Mm -hmm. ridiculous in this show yeah you're just kind of presented with these people. They have really one-dimensional personalities. Jeremy is this bubbly, like mm-hmm. dude who love has loves a, his dog, Angelina Jolie, and oh that's gosh. pretty much all there is to it. And <laughs> yeah. each one has their own separate personality, and it does feel like if you gave it a lot of credit, you would think, oh, they're making fun of the the sort of roles in Mm -hmm. k-pop groups where they're like oh this is the leader this is so-and-so this is the magne this is you know all of these different where they try and make them super distinct personality wise especially when they go on like talk shows and variety shows and they're like well this one's always got something crazy to say like this one's always the loose cannon this one's always Mm -hmm. very serious you know it's like it's a little bit much (laughs) i hear you 
I honestly, I don't think I can give them that much credit for it, though, for some of these really one note characters and Mm -hmm. the whole thing of like the male lead has to be mean and she's going to fall for him anyway. I I can't get behind that nowadays. And that was Mm -hmm. something that really bothered me on this rewatch as well. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) I know. And honestly, we'll get into some more details in in a second. I do have a couple of fun facts for you, which I thought I should share. So did you notice everyone's driving an Audi in the show? That's true. That is true. (laughs) I thought it was funny. So I looked it up. Uh, Several car companies offered to have their cars used in the drama, including, you know, the German automaker Audi. They introduced their Audi S4 on the miniseries. And Mm. I thought this was a little bit odd because the only other time where I'm like, wow, Audis was in Iron Man. And this is literally the year after Iron Man was in theaters. So. I was like, okay, wow. not long after Audi kind of made a global resurgence with the Audi product placement in the Iron Man movie. So it kind of like tracked, but I was like, wow, I've never seen an Audi in another K-drama. It felt a little out of place. I don't know. Yeah, that's true now that you mention it. I don't yeah. know. I feel like they're, I mean, I don't know. They always do the car product placements in these K-dramas. Right. And I'm not right. a big car person, so I'm like... I'm just like, oh, that's a cool car. And then I just focus on something else. (laughs) That's a cool car. No, usually I feel like I'm the same way. But then sometimes if I see something that looks unusual in Korea, like Mm. obviously if it's a Hyundai, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a Korean car or something to that effect. But in Audi, I was like, Audi (laughs) of all things. So that um, was a little bit attention. It caught my attention. Let's talk about the OST and the music in the show because this is a big part of this show and this Mm -hmm. era of K-drama where you had these musical K-dramas like Shut Up Flower Boy Band and uh, this one and um, oh my God, what was the band? The other Dream High was another one. Dream High. There were so many like musical K-dramas back in the day that spoofed the K-pop industry And for this one, I was like, I think I like the songs. Mm -hmm. Did you did you feel the same way? Oh, my gosh. I think I would listen to this OST like casually, like many years, honestly, (laughs) after I watched this K-drama that was just like on my, I don't know, iPod shuffle or whatever. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I loved this OST. I assumed just because they were. Like, this is the era of K-dramas where, like, any moment has an OST associated with it. You know, like, Mm. you know exactly how to feel in that moment based off what song's playing. So, like, it was so overdone. But I still think it was, like, it was still so good. Like, it wasn't, like, overplayed. I was just, like, I was feeling it. I love the OST. I think, like, um... Oh, what's the song? Oh, Promise. That's the one with Lee Hong Gi and Yoon Hwa. I was like, that was my freaking jam. It was like the perfect combo of FT Island, CM Blue. You know, it was like <laughs> such a good song. And then obviously the more emotional ones, like without words. And I loved how oh, yeah. like the lyrics obviously reflect the, you know, the main leads feelings. And oh my God, it was so, <laughs> it was so well done. I'm just, I'm such a sucker for these like old school, like, music heavy k-dramas i feel yeah. like they're just i don't know they have a special place in my heart so i i yeah. absolutely love those too 
Yeah, I think they kind of fell by the wayside and now they're making a comeback mm-hmm. and there's way more now than like, you know, ever before, I feel like. Uh, what was the one that I watched? I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then I looked online and everyone hated it. Oh, no. Imita- imitation. Have you seen that one with imitation. the SF9 guys and the guy from UK's? No, I don't think okay. so. The, it's got like it modern out, day, <laughs> not modern day, but like present day k-pop stars in it and i thought it was pretty good and then everyone was like this one sucked and i was like oh (laughs) sorry (laughs) i liked it whoops yeah whoops anyway so that one came to mind but there's more there's even more um the concert footage in the show they actually performed a mini concert and about twenty-five thousand fans showed up Dude, amazing. They, I, I know. <laughs> and they performed Promise and still. Duncan Suk also saying goodbye and what should I do? Um, and then Pak Shine saying her character's theme song, Lovely Day. So that's where you got all of that footage that's like interspersed throughout. And oh, we're going to do another showcase. And like this, yeah. they pull from this same concert that they got did. It. Yeah. So I, I found that really, fu- really fun and interesting mm-hmm. that they actually did have all of these people and. I don't know. I like when they do this. It, it works every time for me where they have mm-hmm. like a bunch of people at a real venue and they're singing the songs and they're actually performing and it feels very believable. It ends some credit, lends some credibility to the show. So I always like when they do that, like the movie, a star is born does that too. Like they commandeered some country music, um, <laughs> Festival they, <for> yeah, it. <laughs> festivals and shows. And then they played yeah. like music from the movie and, I think I just recently found out for that one, they didn't end up like broadcasting the song. People just were reacting to silence because they didn't want the songs to get out in the public and have it be circulating online before the movie came out. So I was like, whoa, that's even more awkward. And people were still vibing and they were like, oh, my God, it's Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. (laughs) So I don't think that's what happened here. I think Mm -hmm. it was just, you know, they were actually playing live. And of course, two out of the three Angel members are real musicians so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it helps no, it helps for, for sure and i think it actually added for the the scenes that they did show like at the very i don't know i don't want to say too many spoilers <laughs> but then like you know there's this one scene or at least the end where it was like really yeah. important that everyone's reactions were genuine and mm-hmm. i was like i was so happy that they had a real audience because it made me feel yeah. like this is real you know these people actually care uh-huh. about the artists and it, it just adds to the storyline absolutely So I think that it's high time that we get into the spoiler section. So if you don't care at all about spoilers, keep listening. Or if you want to watch the show and then come back, you can do that too. But we'll be back right after this. You want to come in? All right. So we talked a lot about the music, the OSD, the cast, how some of the tropes and some of the portrayals were really dated, but now we're in the spoiler section, and so anything goes. Jenny, did you have a space where you wanted to start here, or <laughs> I think maybe because you mentioned the second male lead, and we didn't cover that so much in the non-spoiler section. Let's talk about the other angel members, Shinu and Jeremy, and how they also just magically fall in love with Park Shine in the show. <laughs> I sounds good. So I will say that the second leads for so I feel like this is a one of those K dramas where we actually had two second leads, not just the mm. one. Um so Shinwoo 
he was i was like really on his train and like you know <sighs> given the fact that like it was really random the way he started loving her and everything but like <laughs> you know when i first watched it i was like completely sold and even the second time around i was like okay fine like i'll buy it and yeah. i thought that his little date where he's like kind of behind her in myeongdong the whole time you know this buying her the good. ice cream i was like i freaking love you shinu but after that <laughs> this went so downhill because man's was like talking in riddles he was like oh there's this one girl that i have feelings for and she doesn't know and this girl and i'm like i was like oh. so frustrated i know <laughs> i was like just give it to her straight dude what are you doing and then like you know he would get upset because she would like blow her off because she would have no idea what the context was and then he would just be all like pouty by himself and i'd be like please like please. you need to do something this is getting so frustrated like i think like, i want to root for you you're obviously you know a nice guy as opposed mm-hmm. to the main lean who's just like super mean to her mm-hmm. and like i just i wanted to root for him but you know especially the second time watching it i was like at a certain point i was like dude you dug your own grave like you're just gonna yeah. have to deal with this like she's not gonna go for you you're just not communicating and like the <laughs> so, reasons yeah. for like not communicating just don't make enough sense so the, sorry oh, buddy <laughs> the math isn't mathing for sinu because yeah like my man's blew like a 30 point lead he knew mm-hmm. she was a girl before taekyung did yeah and he was very sweet and looked out for her. He had this amazing Myeongdong date, mm-hmm. like you said, where he's falling behind her and like calling her and saying like, oh, what do you want to yeah. eat for dessert? And it's like, ah, it's super cute. Mm-hmm. And he just decides to project his feelings onto her and convince himself that she will be receptive to his feelings and never actually confesses mm-hmm. and never gives her a chance to to reciprocate or reject him or anything it's always like in the ether and he's miscommunicating he's speaking in riddles like you said like what the what the hell is the yoda like <laughs> thing that he's doing here yeah it's very frustrating to watch him get jealous when it can actually be fixed like he can fix the situation quite easily and he's so confusing i, I just don't like how he was like yeah um <laughs> I have a he like insinuated that he had a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and then oh come and apologize to my girlfriend for like making believe making everyone believe that you're my girlfriend we had to do this like down and dirty when you just almost got found out in the press conference it was like this whole thing and yeah he gets upset with her when she stands him up and he does he's like was gonna stand her in front of a mirror and be like the woman that I was. So <laughs> it's cheesy. like you, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" It is so. She is so stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would he do this when he for, he knows her? He knows that she's clumsy. He knows that she's dense. He knows she's innocent. She's really un- inexperienced, right? Yes. Not just in life, but in romance, especially. So, like, what makes him think that he can like? start getting cute with it yeah and it she would read sense. it it doesn't make sense it's like he blew it he absolutely blew it not that she would have gone with him and he, you know he would have worked out he was very firmly the second male lead and he didn't mm-hmm. necessarily pose any threat to like the male the main couple but absolutely frustrating to watch him on the other hand jeremy is a delight i love 
this character. I think he's adorable. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, he's like a better match for... At least he matches her energy, I would yeah, say. Because he's, again, very simple. He's very kind and um, childlike as well. Likes to have a good time. Always throwing congratulation parties <laughs> for everybody. So he's so cute. And the dog. I mean, how can you say no to the dog, Angelina, <laughs> Angie? Yeah. So when when Jeremy finds out that she actually likes Young. It's a huge blow for him. And he rides his bus, which the I bus. love the bus thing <laughs> that he introduced to her. Because she was having, she had a whole, I forget which emotional uh, breakdown you know, outburst yeah. breakdown that she had. But he was like, look, why don't you come on this bus with me? And he introduces her to his bus, which is an empty bus line that mm-hmm. takes about an hour to go. It's full circuit, the full route. And in that hour, he can cry and he can have this privacy alone time for him to sort out his feelings. And by the time he gets off the bus an hour later, everything's sorted and he's back to normal, like quote unquote normal. And it's just this this sanctuary for him. And he introduces her to this. It's a great moment when he does that. But then when he finds out that she's she's dating the other member, uh, he goes on the city bus again. And I love that like full circle moment where it's like, why are you on my bus? This is my bus. I had like told mm-hmm. you about it. Why can't you leave me alone? And she just sits there. There's not much that Pakshine does in that moment, but he does a really nice, I have a really nice moment here. It's a really nice performance where he is distraught. He's crying. He does, does the broadcast on the phone and sings this children's song. And it's very mm-hmm. touching and you yeah. feel for the guy. Yeah. You know, I, okay. Let me talk about Jeremy because okay. I freaking love Jeremy. I think from the moment <laughs> that he fell in love with Mi- uh, Minyo, right? And mm-hmm. he's just like struggling because he's like, I, this is a man and I'm in love with a man. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm gay now. Like He's right. literally like struggling with that. The entire like 10 episodes where he's just like, you know what? Like, I mm-hmm. guess if I love him, then I do. Like, he's just like, he's yeah. like makes peace with it. Finds out he's a girl. And he's, like, so happy. He's, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I I, I don't have to worry about my sexuality. Like, this is a normal romance (laughs) for me now. Like, so happy. And then the city bus scene where Mans breaks down. I remember I was, like, watching this at night in 2009. And I was, like, sobbing in front of my desk. Because I was watching it online. And I was, like, I don't know, so young at the time, right? And I was, like, legitimately crying so hard at that scene with Jeremy in the bus because I I felt for Jeremy more than I did for Shinwoo for this mm. entire like series like I felt like Jeremy deserved just as much love as the second male lead as Shinwoo did and he was like always so respectful and but also was like very communicative about his yeah. emotions and I was just like and then when he did his breakdown from such like a happy character to that, I was like, I was just rot as a child watching this show. <laughs> and like even rewatching it, like I was like, oh, I was like getting emotional. So like I loved Jeremy as like, a second lead. Like oh, the whole thing was just written really well for him. Yeah, I agree completely. And you touched on something that I forgot to bring up in the non-spoiler section, but holy hell. So let's talk about the queer coding and the fact that these gender benders from back in the day mm-hmm. were like the precursor to the BL dramas that we have prevalent today, which are really great. Yeah. And I can't wait to to dive deep on some of those. But like, honestly, 
the fact that Jeremy's questioning his sexuality throughout much of the first half of the show is like a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And he just comes to terms. He's just like, I guess I just like Mino. I mean, yeah. Minam. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. Like, he's very, I mean, he's asking some big questions here. None of the other guys having to are having to deal with this. And he's like mm-hmm. one step ahead. Like, do I like guys now? Um, yeah. And he's very scared about uh, his growing feelings toward Minam. And when he finds out that she's a girl, he's very relieved because it just kind of confirms that he's not he's not uh gay but honestly it he was in that direction anyway like he was mm-hmm. like i like this person as a person yeah period it so it's very really refreshing f- refreshing pretty progressive and again a lot of these gender benders have uh this element to them like coffee prince and secret garden and mm-hmm. the swaps and things that people i think the other one to the beautiful you which is the sports romance where she get like goes and takes yeah. her brother's spot in a sports college i think same it, same vibe same yeah. thing yeah and again i'm not knocking the whole she's going uh, masquerading as her brother because this is tale as old as time okay shakespeare did it 12th mm-hmm. night all right <laughs> it's old yeah. everyone does it. especially with the twins thing oh, that's yes. straight 12th night right mm-hmm. um i i think that it's fun to go back and think like what we're what were people thinking? How were people maybe feeling about this back in the day? And I think more than anything, it's a way to get some progressive forward thinking in a pill that people can swallow because this is Jeremy's a very fun, charismatic character and he's sitting here like dealing with his feelings and it's comical. Like people just laugh at it, but in the back of their minds, I, I mean, they have to be wondering like, Oh my God, like, is he who knows yeah so it's very interesting and i don't know if you had any thoughts about some of these uh storylines that now we don't we don't really have anymore because we just go straight to the source which is you know Mm. bls and, and girl love stories as well yeah no i think it's super important that they did that because like i don't know like i've never had to go through that myself right but i'm sure it is one of those moments where you're like hmm like you start questioning yourself Mm. and it is like a struggle that you have to go through to like come to terms Mm -hmm. with it but i totally agree with jeremy's character where he was like i think they painted him as such like a uh, not like a just like as such a like a happy positive person that it was like he just was able to reach that conclusion and you know along the way they obviously painted a lot of more like comical kind of like scenario driven things just to make (laughs) it more lighthearted. but like at the end of the day like when he is on the bus the first time with Minam and he's Mm -hmm. like for this hour I will just like you and he like comes to that conclusion and like states it I was like Mm -hmm. that's a big that's a big step, you know, like mm-hmm. for just this guy to like come to conclusion to. So I, I do agree. Like, I think it's really important that they ex- um, they kind of like touched on some of these like transitioning moments back then. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure like we'll see some of that, you know, to, in today's world as well. But it was yeah, it was cute the way that they had framed it in this K-drama. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I feel like just last word on it i just feel like in nowadays we'd rather not that we'd rather but the stories are a little more serious in nature and they're not like rom-com-esque and so mm-hmm. light and fluffy um like consider Ethan one class which has uh, a trans character in it and that right. was not 
played for laughs that much mm-hmm. in that show at all. It yeah. was very much uh, a serious social commentary um, on Korea and, you know, the state of the LGBTQ community. So it was it's so interesting to see how just like a few years later we're getting these kind of stories versus Jeremy and his struggle in the first 10 episodes paired with all of the other hijinks that happens with these characters you have this one light cute character people love him as it is and he's got this little struggle that he's dealing with which is actually pretty important um for sure so i like that i think Uh, last thing i want to say on the second leads is i will say i was really disappointed that the very end that we didn't get like a reunion between minam you know minyo and the second leads like it was literally like i mean the last episode was basically everyone telling (laughs) taekyung like hey figure it out buddy like you gotta just put your pride aside and get it right but at the very end like we get Mm -hmm. like the big grand gesture between the main love line but then like there i feel like there's a lot of friendships along the way between minam and the second two guys and Mm. it just stopped that like we never really saw that part of it and i was like oh i would have loved to just see them all actually still be friends because they they spent a lot of time together and sure there was like these romantic feelings but i still feel like there was a lot of friendship things that was going on too so i i wish that i had gotten that at the end you make an excellent point that the ending doesn't really bother with wrapping up her friendship with the other angel members mm-hmm. the other lead others secondary leads and it's a bit of a shame because it's not it isn't just about the romance like you said it is about the friendship that she forged with them and how they came to truly care for her yeah. we do get like even in other like boys over flowers we get an ending with all f f4 and gumdendi mm-hmm. and it's like okay we have like we know what happens to all of them we know that how her relationship is with all the members still yeah and we don't get this kind of moment with her and the boys we just get it with her and um Thank you. Yeah. Which is a bit, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a quibble, but I, I agree with it completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about the male lead. So, we already said that he's like mean, he's a prickly personality, and she is very childlike, um, mm-hmm. as we said before. And what is this? Like, I we talked about this briefly in the. Mr. Sunshine episode where Uh what does it say that is it is it subscribing to some sort of like purity concept in the Korean society where you have these very childlike egg-yo inexperienced obviously virginal female leads and then you have these really mean grumpy male leads and they do everything wrong they make every mistake they say all the wrong words and they still end up together so i don't know i think it's the same thing like mr sunshine's way more recent but mm-hmm. you know that was also with the added bonus of he's much older than her there's a giant age gap and um the female lead is much younger she's in her 20s so right. I don't know. In this case, they take it a step further because she's a nun <laughs> and like training to be a nun. Right. And it's very much the sound of music all over again oh, where yeah. she's catching feelings. She doesn't know what to do. She's scared. 
and she's doing all these really crazy ridiculous things she's doing the pig face oh thing. my gosh the pig face <laughs> i was over it i was over it the second time she did it, i was like oh we're my done gosh, I agree. this is too much every <laughs> it's, time it's not cute anymore it's like, not i'm cute. sorry <laughs> no i feel you i think like i don't know this is like a common trope especially that was like bigger i think before like back then with like earlier k-dramas i will say they always try to redeem the male lead in some way and sometimes they succeed but like most of the time they don't like right like i'm sorry taken i'm like sorry you have really bad mommy issues like (laughs) she seems like a really terrible person but like it also doesn't justify like one bad thing happening in your past for you to be just an asshole for the rest of your life you know like that's like I, I just feel like they always try to do that with the male leads. And like, I don't know, probably when I was younger and when I was first watching this, I bought it. I was like, yeah, you know, sad boy, sad boys can do bad things. But like <laughs> now that I'm older, it's like, no, like you got it. Like if you have problems, go find help. Like don't take it out on this innocent female who's just trying right. to be nice to you. And like, yeah, the thing that's like frustrating is like, Minam is always so nice. And even when she does the nicest things, I feel like Taekyung is like, really rude about it like there's a scene where like on his birthday you know he's like he has this whole confrontation mm-hmm. with the mom the mom forgets it's his birthday so he goes back to the recording studio and he's like really sad she sees it and she's literally like running to the convenience store trying to like buy him water replace the lights and doing like the nicest things for this guy and mm-hmm. literally he confronts her and he's like like did you cause another problem again or you know something along those lines and i was like yeah Oh, like really you know just like be nice and they try to show the kind side of him and I get that that's what mm-hmm. the drama writers and you know they tried to make it seem like he's a nice guy with a bad boy like outside <laughs> but like sometimes it just it doesn't fly after like that many episodes you know and like I don't know going back like I feel like the rough like exterior like sometimes you just need to drop that earlier on and not Mm -hmm. at the very last episode for us to then be like okay we're like rooting for the couple so I don't know that was always like a weird part like even when I first watch it to now like rewatching, I feel like the main lead couple romance was always like a little bit like hard to swallow because of how prickly he can be. Yeah, he's super unpleasant. He's rude. He's constantly making Moika, like, he's always like, why is he always doing that yeah. face? Yeah, oh my god. The pouty face, the angry mm-hmm. pouty face. Um, he's not nice, and there's no reason for her to like him, to fall for him. Um, <laughs> he's, again, I think that the 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 fact that it's written by a woman is really annoying to me two women mm. right is that you you they're perpetuating this this trope this this cliche that she's just gonna fall for him no matter what and i don't see why i don't really care about his uh mommy issues and the entire <laughs> backstory the fact that the hong sisters tried to get us to believe that maybe they were siblings oh my and gosh ridiculous get out with that (laughs) nonsense which we again we had way more of that back in the day where it's like oh they kind of fall for each other and then it's like hold the phone they might be siblings (laughs) i don't understand why they need to do this to us emotionally like now i just feel icky about it for like five episodes and i'm like i I don't need to feel this way like stop trying to make them related (laughs) i hated that i still do just oh i hate it Um, yeah so things like that and then it just got even more complicated the backstory 
I don't care. So his the fact that he can't work out his trauma mm-hmm. is very frustrating to me because it's not like she doesn't have trauma. She yeah. has trauma, but she's not a dick. Yeah. So I don't get why it's okay for him yeah. and not okay for her. Something else that made me upset was that she was, um, I don't know what the word is, but she was always putting herself down. And she was like, oh, yeah, I won't be a bother. Don't worry. I'll stay away from you. I'm not going to cause any issues. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he was very arrogant and prideful and wouldn't apologize when he knew he did something wrong or said something mean. And it was just him doing very tiny gestures to try and make up for it or show the audience that he cares. And again, it's not enough. It's really toxic and i don't like how she is constantly trying to make up for wrongs that she didn't do i hear and you. yes yes she's clumsy but like if you spill a glass of water like there's no, like what what else do you want her to do she's gonna clean it up and say sorry and that's fine yeah but it was on an endless loop throughout the show and you know i just i think we challenge shows more than than this now Mm -hmm. right we don't kind of let this be the end-all be-all of a show and again that's the problem i guess with the show is that there's not much plot and this is like the conflict is them just having these little little arguments and little things and she's constantly losing things and finding things like the hair clip thing oh my god the hair clip at the like third time or whatever she loses that hair clip i was like girl just throw it away <laughs> like i don't <laughs> just like, throw it out <laughs> we are over the hair clip now you know like and i totally agree with you where it's like i feel like he she has a lot of like self-esteem issues right and i'm sure mm-hmm. it's just she has like a pretty rough past so like maybe that's what feeds into it but like it does suck that he never really brings her up you know and it's just like i agree nowadays like we challenge these things a lot more watch and like probably back then when we watched it it was like fine this was just normal like you didn't think about it but yeah like looking at this the second time it's like just because you make your really cute stuffed doll with like a, a like a pig nose on a rabbit and stuff like that doesn't mean that you're actually being kind to her, you know? Right. Like it's like we as viewers can see you care, but like you need to be better about communicating that because this is not the right way to handle relationships. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I totally get you. Like they she is very down on herself and like everyone around her preys on that. And yeah. it's just it's not a it's it is pretty toxic like even like the quote-unquote good people like the manager guy you Mm -hmm. know he's like using that to his advantage i mean obviously the um the actress hey hey she's like you know she's just freaking poking holes all up in her self-esteem and we can get into them later but like (laughs) yeah i just it sucks that even the main love line the male lead just doesn't seem to really help her self-esteem and lift her up it's just you know all this back and forth of like favors and you know that kind of stuff which is not the best way to start a relationship but i guess it worked for them so yeah speaking of their relationship what did you think of the overuse of the star analogy oh my gosh the star okay you're gonna hate me for this but i kind of loved it (laughs) oh my god it's so (laughs) cheesy but it was perfect for that time you know like 
oh i hated it but i loved it you know what i mean it was like so overused it was so like gross at a certain point where you're like really like i can't see you in the dark i can see you in the light like all of those it's so overdone but i don't know man the 09k dramas like these overused tropes like i i kind of the the cheesy side of me is like ooh I love it the ooey gooey like just like let's let's love each other like we're stars and the star necklace and you're my star you're my oh fan. god oh, I don't know I kind of loved it I'm sorry I think I loved it when they first did it which I think was in episode seven they get uh-huh. lost in the woods yeah. or something at night yeah, he has yeah. night blindness which lol so I guess he has funny. one weakness <laughs> yeah one weakness he has night blindness. Uh. And uh, he can only see the moon. Mm-hmm. She calls the moon a star. And then he yeah. corrects her, which is like, again, like, just, just shut up. Like, it's <laughs> don't have to correct her every time she yeah. says something slightly wrong. She says, even if the moon is not a star, the moon is useful. Mm-hmm. She ends up saying, then I'm like the moon that's just clinging to you, who is like the sun. And yeah. he says, the moon isn't useless. No matter how many other stars there are at night, all I can see is the moon. Which is like, ah, (laughs) it's very swoon-worthy. Basically, he's saying, all I see is you, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is fine. Then they beat a freaking dead horse with this star analogy over and over and over and over. Oh, I can't see my star. Oh, I'm unable to see my star right now. Oh, my star is shining so bright. I'm like, shut up up oh my god i hated it because they just they they overdid it like to be quite honest with you if they had just referred to it one or two more times at really good points throughout the rest of the show i would have been totally fine with it but the fact that it was like every episode she's referring to him as a star he's referring to her as the star the moon the sun whatever Mm -hmm. and i (laughs) could not deal (laughs) with it i was very I mean, maybe I'm just colder now than I was in 2014, but I was like, oh my God, no. it's too much. I get you. No, like I totally understand where you're coming from. I agree that it was 100% overdone, but I feel like the 09 K-drama, things are just overdone from the acting to the OSTs to these cheesy <laughs> tropes. Like everything is so over the top overdone. And that's what like, I don't know, gave it a certain charm. And I feel like... I totally understand now you're like, oh, my God, this is so much. But mm-hmm. I think in that time it was it was OK. And that was like, you know, part of the reason why people love the K-Jobs because it was so much. It was just so over right. the top. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's it's, a, um, you know, it's re- relative now to like look at these things. Speaking of relative, mm-hmm. let's talk about his mom, because she is definitely a villain of the show and mm-hmm. what the hell's going on with her? I just thought, <laughs> uh, I haven't seen, so that's the same mom from the heirs. Mm, okay. Okay. And I was like, she's actually the worst mom ever. Yeah. Um, she abandons her child. Uh, really kind of loathes her son and, was obsessed with this songwriter who she sang his song once and now she's kind of on the downhill trend for popularity and she wants to redo the song. She's trying to like pigeonhole her son into producing the song and like, yeah. I do not give a shit. And then <laughs> um, <laughs> at the end she, we find out she's completely delusional. 
because mm-hmm. she stole the song, bought the song from under uh, Mignol's mom, and who's an up and coming singer, and like recorded the song, believed her, her own bullshit that the song was written for her. The the songwriter Mignol's dad wanted to get back with her, and it's like what. Yeah. Is this? Yeah. It's really messy. It's yeah. really messy. I I genuinely just disliked her character from the beginning to the end. Like she had no redemption arc. Like mm-hmm. none of her reasonings made me feel bad for her. Like just no, she was so yeah. she was yeah. just such a villain and like to be honest, I didn't know why her storyline kept coming up like literally i would be like all on the angel train you know blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, and then we go to like the mom and i'd be like ugh, like why are we here why are we talking about her the mom and the aunt I, them two in a room <laughs> together aunt. would just give me so much anxiety be like i do not want to see either you two on the screen right now like give me back my my people you know and so <laughs> I, I i just didn't know where they were gonna do with their storyline i guess at the very end you know her whole situation with Minam's dad and like all that like that was what broke the main couple up so I was like okay I guess that's why she was a focus even at all for this show mm-hmm. um but yeah I totally agree with you I was like I do not care about all of your just delusional love things in your head like you're a terrible person for abandoning your son in the hospital you're a terrible person for like stealing music and like you know trying to tell yourself that it was for you and like all of her scenes were just such downers she was just yeah drinking and sad and manipulating people like the entire time and I was like girl get off the screen like I do not care about you. get off the screen <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was super self-destructive a terrible mom and I okay so here's the thing I don't mind when moms are flawed mm-hmm. people are human that's fine this lady didn't even try okay yeah just terrible did not even try mm-hmm. and the flashback that Taekyung has as a child like he was eating with his mom out in a restaurant and she's like don't make trouble for me and makes him eat uh, shellfish yeah. shrimp and he she doesn't remember that he's severely allergic so he just downs the shrimp anyway trying to not make make waves and he starts like having an allergic reaction starts coughing and like breathing heavily and she's just like don't make trouble for me go to the bathroom quietly and he has like i don't even know what he did to end the the attack mm-hmm. that he was having but this flashback scene was like very telling yeah. and Super heartbreaking. And yeah, obviously he'd have trauma. Yes, he has abandonment issues. Yes, he has mommy issues as a result of this terrible woman. But like, do I really feel for her at any point? No. Do I feel for the aunt at any point? Mino's aunt who comes to live with the boys and then leaves and tries to get the money out of the royalties mm-hmm. for the song that they're reading. Uh, shut up. Shut yeah. up. I don't care. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. okay so let's start talking about Hei, who I think is a actress and she starts causing a lot of issues and trouble. She thinks she's the second female lead. She's not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Homegirl is also so delusional and she's just like mean for no reason. And like, I hate that she was a villain because I feel like Minam or Minyo, like she should not have given this random lady so much power over her where it just is causing all these problems. And at the end of the day, I feel like Hayi did not, like, suffer as much as I thought she would. She's, like, <laughs> friends with fucking Minam now. And I'm like, 
what? Like, this is so okay. bizarre to me. Like, I don't know. Her thing just really irked me. <laughs> no, it irks me, too, because she's smart. Mm-hmm. She's very quick, intelligent. She's intuitive. And she figures everything out really early. And she's manipulative. But, like, you got to give her props because she's getting info where other people were, like, they weren't going to give her anything. And she was pretending to know the secret. And then she figures it out. Honestly, very admirable qualities like mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. in any person. Like she's very resourceful. She uses her powers for evil and she's constantly bullying Mignon. Yeah. And manipulating her. And Mignon's like she has no powers. She has mm-hmm. no um no way to retaliate or, you know, outthink like hey ye. So yeah. it's very frustrating to watch her because she it's like a cat playing with a mouse. You're like, okay, uh, the mouse is never gonna get away here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I just feel like so much of the plot moving forward is driven by just how mean Hey Yi is. And I just don't mm. love that. Like like I think we touched on this earlier with the character development, right? But like people aren't making decisions because they're getting different or becoming better as characters. They're making decisions because some really mean actress lady is forcing you to do certain things. And I just, right. I hated that she was just this overused plot device, like over and over and over again. Like the reason why the boys find out that Minam's a girl, like that's because of Hei, you know? Mm-hmm. And like every single step of the way, it's just Hei in the background being like, ooh, let me make this happen. <laughs> and like she even, when she dumped water on Minam <gasps> on the stage. The Carrie moment. Oh Ugh. my gosh. I just, uh, that whole thing, I was just like, why is Hei behind all of this? Like I just really, yeah. really disliked her as a villain. And like, I totally give it to her though you're totally right where she is smart and resourceful and she's like the only person that is not who's like figuring things out but like (laughs) yeah just frustrating that she's just such a one-dimensional villain we don't even get a reason why like I don't even know why she really came into the picture other than the fact that like she just didn't like how Taekyun like treated her maybe and then suddenly fell in love with him too like it was just very bizarre what I thought was funny was that she believed her own hype mm-hmm. like they were like they say we're a great couple oh my gosh <laughs> so, yes so like we we should be a great couple and i'm like lady <laughs> what are you doing like she's believing the headlines and her own hype yeah. which is rather stupid like in the grand scheme of things like we were just like hyping up her her uh her intelligence and like mm-hmm. she's over here just kind of like I have this great guy and you're like no like it's a fake relationship yeah. fake fake dating trope and yeah she's believing that she can make it real and it's quite sad to see her just sort of bang her head against the wall and torture Minio and torture the guys torture Taekyung mm-hmm. because <clears throat> Taekyung clearly like wants nothing to do with her and yeah. uh she like she's inviting herself over and having them make her lunch and you know different photo shoots she invites herself on things and they're like what are you what actually what are you doing here yeah like it's pathetic she's pathetic like ultimately i just couldn't i can't stand when they just i can see her doing it a couple times it was throughout Mm -hmm. like the show she didn't learn any lessons she didn't have any sort of reckoning at the end she i think her redemptive arc is that she doesn't tell the reporter the truth and say yeah 
Minyo is Minam. Yeah. It, she's playing her brother. Which I guess it's like the bare minimum, right? Like, don't say anything. But then she sort of gives it away as well when she like pretends to faint. And the reporter's like, just nod if you think that. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. So she sort of gives it away and then she tries to warn them. So that was her redemptive arc. That was pretty much it for her. And then Minam, the real Minam, has a crush on her evidently oh my gosh i was so <laughs> frustrated i was like okay first of all like connect with your sister or maybe just download about how terrible this lady is before you're even like i don't know like buddy buddy with her like oh so bizarre i just yeah do you know upset i something else that was really bothersome to me is the fact that the the twins do not in any way shape or form seem like siblings to me <laughs> They don't know anything about each other. She had no clue at all that her brother was trying to be a K-pop star, Mm -hmm. trying to get into this company, and was like she had no idea. Yeah. And then, (laughs) vice versa, when the guy comes back, her brother comes back. Evidently, they have no, no conversation, no contact. Mm -hmm, She's mm -hmm. missing in action. The boys don't know where she is. The brother doesn't give a shit evidently yeah seriously i'm like what kind of family is this like, they're all they have they have nobody else no other family the aunt sucks and that's it they don't have mom they don't have a dad they grew up in an orphanage i don't understand mm-hmm. this relationship so I, I don't know if you had any feelings for that i have a little sister yeah. and i'm like we're constantly texting like hey i'm at Publix. do you need anything <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? No, for sure. It's just there's so much, like... Like, I think at the very beginning, they tried to establish the Minamino relationship. Like, Mm. they were both on the carousel, and the kids were all bullying them. (laughs) And then they were like, you know, Minam's like, oh, find our parents, or something like that. And I was like, okay, so they have a relationship. And then from there on, it was just like absolute nothing about the brotherly relationship. Like, also, like, yeah, I get that he's in the U.S. and he's recovering from surgery, but, like... Would you guys not, like, message each other? Like, yes. do you not have phones? Like, maybe talk, like, have a heart-to-heart to be like, you know, this is tough for me. Like, do you really want this? Like, something to give us something for that relationship. And it was just, like, nothing. And I honestly, I will say when I watched the show, like, I took it at face value the first time around because I was like, right, you know, right. it's just such an afterthought. And it's like you're just so focused on Mino's life and inside of Angel that you're not even thinking about what the real Minam is doing, right? But, like, now the second time watching it it's just so bizarre especially with the ending where you're just like but like the brother's getting with the person who's so mean to assist the whole time like it's like what yes like what what is this relationship this could have easily been solved when Mino was like hey that bitch was a bitch to me yeah don't date her don't even look at her yeah one sentence and he'll be like oh really word okay never mind that's Um, all it takes she doesn't have to even go into detail and be like she did xyz to me she threw some water on me she stole my (laughs) hair clip she no she doesn't need to go into even that much detail yeah she just needs to be like stay away from that hoe and that's it like that would have been enough i would have been been okay (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so weird and plus like i feel like with minam like the real minam we never really get much of like how he integrated into the group because like i bet that was so freaking weird for him too right because it's like they went from having minyo like pretending to be him to now actually having the real guy and it would have been like 
I would have thought there would have been some fun moments there right. where it could have been like, you know, like integration and like, are they even friends? Yeah. Like, did they get along at the end? And yeah. Like, how did that all go? But like nothing, nothing there. Uh, it's missing content you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah like yeah. how is it 16 episodes and then they get to the end and you're like but wait what happened to like mm-hmm. how did we get here and it could have been an e- as easy as now they have minam the real guy and the mm-hmm. three of them are trying to like suss him out and they offer him water hot tea or juice all over again the same thing <laughs> yeah. that they did to Minio. and he chooses soda or said like something mm-hmm. off the wall not even an option He's not even picking sides between the three guys. And they're like, oh, that alone would lend a lot of like fill in the gaps. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Between, okay, Mino left to find herself, figure out her feelings, heal, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now they have a brand new member that they have to establish rapport with. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, how do we get to the end of the show? So it's not done well um, i think like back then also i feel like the the end episode was never really a big focus you know like i feel like this is oh, common for yeah. a lot of older k-dramas where it's like the angst and all that is like the big focus and then to the end it's kind of like okay we're writing everyone off like put a bow on it tie it up like yeah. send it out you know and that's it and i feel mm-hmm. like nowadays especially like I don't know, like, we're super critical of it on Pocha Playlist, but I feel like I'm sure you are as well on your <laughs> K-drama reviews. But, like, the ending is so important because that's, like, the last impression you're left. Yeah. When you watch a K-drama, and I feel like with your beautiful, like, I, I, I you know, first time watching it, I loved it. And then the ending, mm-hmm. even then, felt, like, really sudden for me. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I guess it's just done now. And I feel like nowadays there's a lot more emphasis on that versus back then. Like, that was almost normal. Like, people didn't, like... The shows wow. didn't do badly because the ending was bad, you know? Great observation. Yeah. That's a fantastic observation. It was more about the journey than the destination. And yeah. people were like, I want the wedding. I want this. I want mm-hmm. that. And it's like, you know, back back then that wasn't a focus. They weren't. People were already going to show. If the ratings were high, people were already going to show up for the exactly. finale. They didn't need to do anything special to foster more word of mouth or, yeah. you know, get people in other in now there's an international audience there wasn't really an international audience outside of east asia in 2009 so you know what i'm saying like they're they're thinking about different things now and different audiences and you're absolutely right that like the closing episode wasn't wasn't a thing (laughs) yeah i also feel like now because like back then like you know you watch this on tv or you know as they came out versus now it's like you know, streaming culture. Like, that's where everyone Mm -hmm. watches K-dramas outside of, you know, Korea. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. watches it on a streaming platform. And, like, rewatchability is something I feel like people do think about now more so maybe than before. Because what before was, like, it's on TV, it's done, you know, the ratings are good. Okay, like, period, end of story. Versus now, it's like, can we keep people, like, you know, interested in these shows? Can we do multiple seasons now, too? Like, it's, like, a different focus. So, I don't know. It's just a different, different, like, um, things that people care about these days. Yeah. Can we sell it overseas? Can it go on Netflix? Mm -hmm. Can it go here? And that's... I don't know if I necessarily agree with that either, but there is, like, a point to be made. Like, this is... They were focused on different things back then, and this was largely for the korean audience and maybe like the korean audience just didn't like they were like i just want them to get back together and that's that 
Yeah. Not that it has to be this like grand gesture and have all of these um, points that needed to be checked off at the end, um, like we feel today. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, speaking on that, I feel like I didn't remember the ending as much as I remembered other things in the show. Yeah. You know. Uh, like the performances, like some of the photo shoots I remembered. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, I remembered the final episode, I think, where she, again, they're like, oh, <laughs> Minam's missing. He's in whatever city. Oh, my He's not going to make it back. The company president wants, demands to see him because he's feeling some type of way. He's very um, suspicious that they're pulling a fast one on him or something. So we need you to be Minam again. And I'm like, oh, I remember this whole thing. She gets drunk and Taekyung recognizes her and takes her home. And it's like, I remember that scene. I remember her like slumping over on his lap and Mm -hmm. he's like, he like realizes, oh, it's uh, like, oh my God, it's her. Yeah, it's her. Oh my God. Because she was missing all this time. Um, All that stuff. Uh, I remember her seeing Mother Superior a bunch oh and like, <laughs> I don't know oh. why she, she kept praying to Mother Superior and I'm like, but that's, is that even a thing? I don't know. I'm, I'm not Catholic. So I was like, that seems a little wrong, isn't it? Mother, like Mary? <laughs> I don't, I don't not know. Mother, why is she praying to the Mother Superior? I feel like she was like trying to talk to the Mother Superior, like as in like, give me advice, you know? Like, yes. You know what I mean? I it's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. I guess Mother Superior is kind of like her mom in this situation because she was yeah. raised like there. But, uh, True. I don't know. Agree. True. Like there were definitely things that stood out more so than the very end. Um, and I think it was just for me, it was more the comedy scenes that really, really made this show great for me. Like the random yes. like remake, uh, you know, just they did so much like the side side scenes, you know, I don't yes. know how to explain it well. But like, for example, every time Jeremy like his imagination runs wild, I think it's yes. so funny to watch the actors like act so like dramatically you know for the sake of his imagination or they also did a bunch of like parodies too which I think yes. at the time <laughs> it was so fun I feel like around that era parodies are such a big thing like just everyone was doing parodies of famous movies famous scenes famous commercials mm-hmm. even you know yeah, and I feel yeah. like they integrated a lot of those into the K-drama so like I actually remember a lot of those parodies more so than like some of the drama scenes because they were just like shot so funny in a way and I, I love that I agree I agree yeah. and that was some of the best stuff um was the comedy bits and the parodies the spoofs the fact that um, I mentioned this earlier about the Hong sister sort of subverting expectations and mm-hmm. tropes. I think in episode one, she gets drunk and you think yeah. that she fall- she falls on Taekyung and you think that they kissed. They didn't. She vomited in his, oh in my his God. mouth. That was so so that's like a subversion, right? You think, <laughs> yeah. oh, they had, they, you know, smash lips together and mm-hmm. they're embarrassed because of that. no she's mortified because she vomited in his mouth. So that's like a subversion of the trope. Yeah. I like um she goes into they go into the the showers on the second floor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the building at some point and she just finished up a shower, but she sees them naked and they cover the modesty clouds that they put oh on all gosh. of the guys. So funny. I was dying. Yeah. Um and she envisions them as like little cherubs and then they turn into like children. And that helps her, like, get out of the situation. She's just, like, <laughs> taking herself out of it mentally. Oh, yeah. uh, let me see. They lock up. In in one of these, like, 
I don't know how to describe it, but you you were talking about it where they have like an imaginary scenario mm-hmm. and they film it and it's a parody and they did a parody of Old Boy. Oh my gosh, the Do you remember? And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you really doing this right now? That was so funny. I totally, yeah, that one really stood out to me too. Yeah. Oh, the old um, boy dumpling scene is iconic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, oh my God, she gets stuck on the top of a of a moving truck at one point. Oh, oh my they, gosh, like, to- yes. they have a Yeah, they have, she like tosses the phone or something uh, and it lands on top of the truck. She goes to get it and yeah. passes it back to Taekyeon and then <laughs> the truck starts moving and she's like holding on. Oh my he doesn't gosh. notice. That's like really funny comedy mm-hmm. it's slapstick right slapstick yeah. comedy that kind of stuff we don't get like that feels very old school k-drama mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to have uh like a screwball comedy yeah yes there's hijinks in k-dramas all the time especially with the light rom-coms but this type of like outrageous outlandish stuff happening yeah is is really kind of old school and it's nice to see and nice to return to so yeah I miss yeah. it like honestly like when I was younger I feel like that's what I loved about these like rom-coms because the comedy was so like out there in a dumb way but it just made right. you really laugh and now like I don't know even the rom-coms like I feel like there's not too many crazy comedy moments like that yes. and it's yeah. like I, I kind of miss it because it made things feel unserious and versus mm. now it's like everything is so serious and the little bits yes. of comedy like don't like like don't like um i don't know like over yeah oh gosh, what, what word am i looking for like it doesn't like they're a little more it. highbrow yeah like, it's a exactly. little more highbrow versus this is lowbrow she what was it one time she goes she's are sleeping in the same room mm-hmm. and she the manager gives her a taser gun he's like taser. and if he tries anything <laughs> If he looks at you a certain way, just like tase him. Yeah. So she manages to tase herself. Oh, girl. <laughs> and collapses on top of him. And they like she sleeps on top of him the rest of the night. But the yeah. fact that she manages to tase herself. Insanity. Is like you would never see that <laughs> in a K-drama made yeah. in 2023 or recently. So. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's. It's a lot. It's so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> it's so much. Uh, but it's what makes these dramas good. And I feel like going back to the characters too, it's like if the main female lead was not so clumsy and just like oftentimes frustrating to watch, like I feel like they couldn't get away with some of these really dumb kind of comedy moments, like the dancing yeah. or like the going on a moving car. Like those things wouldn't have stuck because <laughs> like you'd been like, why would a normal person have done something like that? But because she's the way she is in this character, like it does help lend to that comedy aspect. Yeah. yeah. So uh, some other comedy that, it sort of delves into comedy, but it's the portrayal of like the K idol industry in general, because mm-hmm. I feel like they're, they're definitely talking about specific, like it's a specific culture yeah. that they're talking about in the show. And this was 2009. I don't feel like much has really changed. 
You know what Honestly, I'm saying? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they touch on it a lot. And I guess like in this show, Angel is kind of like a more established group now. So they're not mm-hmm. like kind of the rookie. Like they're yeah. like big in Korea, right? And so they talk about a lot of things they had to do as rookies, like the really dumb reality TV shows that they had to do. And like, yes. you know, the radish eating scene, which is <laughs> also so ridiculous. But like, I don't know. I just think it was interesting, especially the second time watching this, where I caught a lot of those moments versus, mm. you know, the first time, I feel like it kind of went over my head but I was Mm. like wow you know they are really talking about the things that these idol trainees have to do in order to promote their group in order to like make it big in this world Mm. Um, and plus I feel like some of the things that they mentioned that were kind of just in passing just felt really like exploitative in a way like there was like that whole sticker thing i don't know if you remember but it was like they go into a, a shop on taekyung's birthday and they're like oh there's yes. these stickers and like the group had like no idea that that was a thing and i was like mm. they're like this is literally your image you know like right. it's just kind of like subtly in the background yeah. that it was like oh they're just kind of taking advantage of your idol image and like you don't yeah. really know what is being passed around to the fans and to everyone yeah. else um, and yeah. then even like the whole reason why Minyo had to step in to pretend to be Minam was because the manager told Minam to get eye surgery and I was oh, like yeah like I was like okay like we just really brushed over that right because it's like oh yeah right. that's fine but like now watching it again I was like dude that's kind of messed up like I, I get that that's the industry and maybe that's what people have to go through but it's like man like you have to get surgery just to do it like that i don't know it just doesn't sit right with me the second time watching it and i feel like right. it was just so different back then that i didn't even think about it but now i'm like man that that's not cool <laughs> absolutely and they play it for laughs because the manager's like i just told him to get a little work done before he signed the contract yeah and now he's sleeping like this and he does yeah. look like he crosses his eyes and i'm like what kind of surgery? Where did they take it? Was right? this a back alley plastic surgery oh that they had? Gosh. Because Korea is like the plastic surgery capital of the mm-hmm. world. So it makes no sense that his surgery was botched to that effect. Yeah. And then he had to go to the U.S. so that to they fix could it. fix it and he could recover. Weird. I was like, <laughs> none of this makes any sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. The underlying like thesis is that they all have to change and get plastic surgery to look a certain way to appeal Mm -hmm. to a certain audience and that's just normal that's not asking a lot of these people that's just bare minimum is that they need to look their best they need to have the double eyelid surgery Mm -hmm. they need to have a nose job they need to have their face shaven they need to um you know work out and look good and it's like very um problematic yes even Mm -hmm. though like it's a cycle and we feed into it and whatever and talking about we like fans in general the fans that are camped out outside the company at all hours yeah i was very i remember watching in 2014 and thinking what are they doing i don't understand why they're just outside all the time are these students like i had all these questions (laughs) now i understand Mm -hmm. that this is a take on like the assessing fans Mm -hmm. who are constantly following around their idols to the detriment and like security hazard of their their favorite idols so it's very problematic and the way that like the media is portrayed as well is Mm -hmm. very toxic and weird and the paparazzi is it's not just like the paparazzi's following them around it's like they're writing incendiary like gossip about Mm -hmm. them and it's affecting 
their lives, their careers, and they have to like play along and the fake dating thing. And yeah, I mean, all of it is not wrong. Like they're still not, it's not inaccurate to, to have all of these things going on in the periphery for Angel. So yeah. it's, it's sad. It's yeah, really sad. It, it really is. And like even the fan thing, you know, I would have loved to see the fandom been more toxic almost. Like if Ooh. we could have invited them to be more of the villain roles, I feel like that could have been really fun as well. Because like, I don't know, like I've heard news articles of just like really bad, crazy fans out there yeah. who are doing like just dangerous stuff. Like, I yeah. don't know, like I don't want to get into specific examples, but like even recently, like I don't there was like an article that came out about um, you know, BTS member Jin. He's like in the army and then like yes. a nurse like and the army left her post like give him a vaccine like that kind of stuff is like insane you know yeah like it's like these fans are i don't even know if she's like a fan or if she's just like somebody who wanted to get involved but anyways going back to this k drama it would have been fun to see some of those like angel fans like really get involved and like make things messy for yeah. the members you know they could have been a yeah. more fun villain than just kind of reusing hey for everything um at least in the beginning like yep. that would have been a cool yep. angle you know absolutely yeah. because there's endless horror stories that are true about these terrible like i can't even call them fans like they're they're just they're not fans at that point yeah um yeah and the bts thing i think what was it a train operator or some somebody employed by the train company was giving out oh yeah when um RM was taking the train and yes. would tell their friends like which seat he was in so that they could sit next to him or close to him. Yeah. And Jungkook just said something too oh about gosh. like stop sending me food. Yeah. Because they know his address and kept sending him fo- food. Yeah. And he's like, I what literally the fuck? cannot eat it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like you can't eat stuff like that. Like you don't know what they put into that food, you know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, I don't know. There's like, I've seen a lot of just like rumors about that specific k that girl who like sent him the food like she's like kind of crazy like she's right like like, this isn't okay yeah it's insane and i think that would have been fun to explore Mm -hmm. it you know in this cage context because he had all the characters ready but like they didn't do too many bad things other than just Mm -hmm. like you know quote unquote defend their opas when like bad things happen (laughs) but like it would have been fun to see like some of the crazier sides of those fans that would have been interesting absolutely So one of the last things that I have in my notes has to do with this cliche that is in K-drama. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't think it worked here. (laughs) So in episode 15, they break up. Yes. Right? She she was like planning to leave after the Japan trip and Mm -hmm. Taekyung didn't know. And then he goes to see her back in Japan. Like he just makes that trip like two or three times. Yeah. I don't even know. Just makes it happen. (laughs) Yeah. But he is like, he's very sad. The whole scene is very angsty. And to me, I don't even get why she has to leave. <laughs> like this, In this case, it really, it didn't make much sense to me. It's not that the usual cases, oh, they have to realize their feelings to mm-hmm. get back together. They know their feelings. They know that they like each other. It's just that she needs time to heal 
and that he's been very selfish and the birth secrets got all intertwined. Yeah. Her mo- his mom is terrible. She hates his mom. Yeah. She's very emotional and Taekyung just needs to respect her pain as she gets through this. Mm-hmm. And I don't like this sins of the father shit where they didn't make the same exact mistakes as their parents did Mm -hmm. but they had to deal with the fallout of the first generation's trauma so essentially generational trauma in a k-drama sense Mm -hmm. and i just don't i don't stand by that like in the writing of it i just was like i don't i don't get it like she doesn't need to disappear she could just be like look (laughs) i'm gonna go to fiji for i don't know how long i'll let you know when i get back (laughs) yeah it doesn't need to be this whole like mysterious thing and like the whole like you see him grabbing her hand separate and it's like this i'm like okay (laughs) yeah like what did you what how do you feel about that sort of thing happening in the very last episodes usually of a k-drama i think this one was like (sighs) yeah annoying I I think that it should have happened earlier if it was going to happen. I also, like, it's tough because it's like, I understand, like, the generational trauma is weighing down on both of these characters. But neither of them really changed for the better because of it also. And so it was like, they broke up, but then he's still the same way towards her. And then she still sees the world the same way. So it's like... I don't know what this did for both of them as people. It's like, you know, you always hear about like, um, you know, there's like reality TV shows where it's like, oh, this ex-couple, are they going to get back together? And then, you know, (laughs) the commentary is always like, well, if neither of them changed, like, what is the point of them getting back together? And I feel like it was kind Uh. of similar for this, where it's like, they couldn't get over their both both of their internal issues with their families but i yeah. feel like even towards the end that still didn't really happen like minyo and the mom yeah. had like a heart to heart where she was like you know be nice to your son but like other than yeah. that like i don't feel like it, it really did too much for them as people um so i it was like okay but i understand for the sake of the plot they needed that break but i think it would have benefited happening earlier and then really Mm -hmm. kind of like delved into how they healed and how they overcame this trauma you know Mm -hmm. even together you know after doing it separately and kind of figuring out together that would have been nice but it it just felt like a plot device in this situation also as a means to bring in the mom and her whole sad side story this whole time so like (laughs) i'm like i get it but yeah i totally agree with you were I, I don't think it really worked that well for this drama like things didn't really add up and like even at the very end she still goes to, like africa so i'm like what, what she was, was like i'm still going to africa yeah, i was like and okay. he's like yes <laughs> so yeah I of, think, all, of all places yeah and again like i don't again this hasn't improved much i don't think in k-dramas but she's like i'm going to africa and it's like africa is a continent oh my gosh yeah. where in africa are you going you oh, know yes very true i feel like so many k-dramas that's like such a big thing right <laughs> it's like are you going to botswana nigeria yeah. south africa like where girl yeah. she's like i'm going to africa it's like okay <laughs> okay all right yeah for sure oh man also the star necklace what do you think what was it with the mid 2000s late 2000s and the freaking star necklace because i do remember there being a star necklace in boys over flowers as Mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. and i was like 
it was that just like a thing back then that they were constantly invoking the stars and celestial things and then yeah they get a necklace yeah i (laughs) don't know the star necklace i totally agree it's always popping up stars was like the thing you know like all types of stars but metaphorical stars real stars (laughs) like my love from another star like it's all (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but honestly i kind of i still love it i don't know those like cheesy metaphors i'm a sucker for so i can't even complain all right. <laughs> all right all right fair enough um oh. yeah i think i've come to the end of my notes um the only notes that i have are just like wardrobe because oh at one point she's wearing the double polo a polo shirt inside of another polo mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. popped collar do you remember that style yeah. with like the, the alternating polo colors <laughs> they were wearing two shirts so i thought oh. they looked great back in 09 <gasps> i was like that those like those outfits i was like yes what the the, she was wearing like the plaid pants like red plaid pants with the leather jacket and everything super just like skin tight and i was like so cool (laughs) and the hair and the makeup too the amount of black eyeliner eyeliner. they put on take young i was like damn (laughs) damn oh it was a whole look but the hair evolution as well that was great to see Uh, And I think the only outfit that really bothered me was every time they put him in something that was almost off the shoulder, like Taekyung. It looked very feminine. And then they kept doing, um, I think it was only two times, but I was like, that's enough. (laughs) He had a blouse. It was a blouse that swooped down in the front. Mm -hmm. I vividly remember these. (laughs) It looked like a freaking curtain on him. I was like, he's wearing a curtain. Yeah. And then they cha- They did another one. It was like, first he had a gray and then it was one black. like that. And then it was black. And then <laughs> yes. there was like a red one. Oh and I was gosh. like, it's never ending. Yeah. So that stuff made me laugh as well. It was just very comical to return to that. Someone commented on a TikTok that I did uh-huh. about it and said, he looks so good wearing that kind of stuff as a model. And I was like, okay. Just because it's on the runway doesn't mean that it should be <laughs> on, on a, a K-pop star in, in a K-drama. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It I had a lot of fun though. with that. It was, it's yeah. fun, though. You know, this is like the part of like the old K-dramas. And I'm like, I love it. Because watching it, you're just like, it brings you back to a time where that was, that was cool. Like, people yeah. wore that. And it was like, that was the shit. And the hair, the, the hairstyles that everyone had, too. You're like, dude, that guy was cool back in 09. <laughs> yeah, he was styling. Yeah. This was fashion. Yes. Okay. So yeah. funny. Oh, I had a lot it. of fun with it. Um, yeah. Ultimately, you know, it take what we say with a grain of salt you can watch this for yourself mm-hmm. it is available on vicky if you want to watch you are beautiful and let us know what you think about yeah. it if you agree with our assessment if you're kind of like i can't get into it that's fine that's <laughs> fine it's not every k drama is for everyone and the older ones do have a lot of merits they're very nostalgic for us and for other viewers mm-hmm. and sometimes if you just didn't live through that era there's no way that you're you're gonna relate <laughs> to some of the things so 
but I uh, I think I encourage people to watch older K dramas. I agree. Just see for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like Your Beautiful feels like a K pop fanfic come to life. You know, like that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. It's like if you have a little bit of the delusional K pop fan in you, you will eat this up because <laughs> you're, you're love like, it. that could yeah. be me. You know, I could be yes. this innocent girl where all three of like my favorite band members are in love oh with me. You know, God. like I feel like that yes. is the audience. And like, I don't know if they did ever do a remake and like, you know, kind of fix some of these nitpicky things that we have. Ooh. I would watch that in a heartbeat. So you're absolutely right. Because sometimes I miss when like plots go off roading. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like this thing starts and you're like, I, I, this is ludicrous. <laughs> but, yeah. I, but, but I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm here. I'm sitting here. I'm ready. Yeah. And uh, there's something really enchanting about watching something that you just have to suspend your disbelief over. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a ton of nitpicky things. Yes, we can't get over some things. But ultimately, it's it made us laugh. It entertained yeah. us. And it's just like watching like a freaking Fast and Furious movie. It's like you're not in it for the... <laughs> for the <laughs> realism. Yes, <okay? laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Jenny, so much for coming on the podcast, for talking at length about your beautiful, your first K-drama ever. I really appreciate you coming back on. The Goblin episode is actually like do, done really well. I think it's like the second most popular episode on oh, Devox. So yeah, I'm hoping that uh, people will enjoy this one too and get a lot of... <laughs> get a lot out of it because we, we did we did um sure. just in case people don't know about pocha where can people find you online yeah so we are pocha playlist uh we review k dramas we're on basically all of your podcast platforms so spotify you know google podcasts apple podcasts etc um so if you want to follow us on our social media we do have twitter tiktok um facebook as well as Instagram, and our handle is just at Pocha Playlist. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to check out our episodes, we do release them every week, and we try to keep up to date with the uh, newest mm-hmm. released K-dramas. So uh, we do put out an episode every week for those. So come check us out. Nice. I love Pocha Playlist. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's it. That's been our show. I'm Jessica, and this has been the Teba K-Rambles Podcast. K-